0: guys, you're very welcome Long back to Heartlines, it's been a long time, too long for, if you ask me, a lot of things have happened since I've last been on this podcast, I got married, I moved into a new role as well, and I'm back with a good friend of mine and a special guest in the spirits industry like myself these days. Um, it is one and only Own Cooney. He's a national and brand ambassador. For Glenn Lock, how
1: are you doing, Own? How's well, Shane? Not too bad, boy. Not too bad. Thanks so much for having me on. Um, it's an absolute pleasure to be here. I've been following your progress for a while, and you're doing extremely well. And you're, uh, you're you seem to be kind of going from strength to strength, anyway, with your with your podcast and everything. And I'm absolutely delighted for you as well with your new role too. And and Killian. Uh, for those of do for those of you listening, we have a mutual friend, Killian Brophy, who's now yeah. my housemate as well. So uh, when he told me, I was absolutely delighted for you as well, you know. Um, and from what I hear, you're getting on absolutely splendidly in uh, in the new role too. You know, you're absolutely flying it, according oh. to Killian.
0: Oh, yeah. well, well, <laughs> Killian, yeah, he's, he's 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 a good measurement to to uh, measure against. I know.
1: Oh, he is um, brilliant tour guide, brilliant. You know, but yeah. um, but yeah, no, I do miss I do miss the, I do miss the days of Bull with you and me working together, lad. Yeah, we had had great crack anyway. They got a few points in the lanes and those days they were great.
0: Did you ever think you'd be (laughs) sitting here over a call on over Zoom and saying, I'm a brand ambassador, I'm doing this, I'm doing that? Because I remember you went, you went to it, you were working like like, it's in Smithfield down the road, but it wasn't in in the spirit, it was like in some sort of you were selling tech sales, or something like that. What was it? What what were you selling? What were you doing?
1: Oh, yeah, it was so weird. It was just, uh, I, I, Change jobs obviously. I left Bow Street after what nearly three years, yeah. And uh, I didn't go very far, I literally went around the corner.
0: Yeah. So
1: every day I go for lunch, I'd see ye in fresh. <laughs> I'm just like, I felt like I was still working there, yeah. Uh, and to a larger extent, I kind of wish I was. Um, so I was working away in tech sales in a company called uh, Learn Upon, they sell like learning management system software. Yeah, um, it's grand job, was good, but it's all outbound sales, so you'd be doing. Minimum like 100 cold calls a day, 20, 30 emails and like five or six opportunities. Very tough job. All numbers based, all targets based every three months. And after three months, you're back to zero and you're fighting again for the next quota. That was good in a learning sense, but it wasn't really what I wanted to be at. Um, but I did know that I had a, a real kind of love and in whiskey and more importantly, the drinks industry. Um but most, of course, most importantly, really Irish whiskey due to the time I had in Bow Street. And I felt I had enough knowledge kind of built up both in like a public speaking sense, which is so important if you want to be a branding master, um, and enough, nearly kind of a small, I wouldn't say a lot of confidence, but a little bedrock, slight little bedrock of confidence, like a nugget of confidence uh, built up to do that as well. Because if you're in Bow Street every day, you're talking to minimum 30 people per group, well, 20 people per group usually, what, you could be doing, you could be talking to like maybe 150 people a day, minimum, you know? And before I started, you'd be like, God, you'd be sweating about going to do a tour. You'd be, the butterflies would be gone. And then after mm. a while, it's just, it's as easy as like, you know, making the bed. It's just such a normal thing, you know? It doesn't yeah, matter. Yeah, yeah. It's not a big deal. It's in no way an issue. Into my mind and my theory, it's just everything is repetition. The more you do it, the better you get and the easier it's going to be. So that's really it, like, so... I did that tech sales job for nearly two years. And at the same time, um, a good friend of mine, Cahill O'Connor, um, I think you would have known him as well, Shane, because he worked in Ball Street too with me. Um, it's hard to know what times people came and left because there's a lot of like blurring in there as well, you know. Uh, a good friend of mine was Cahill and he did the IBEC graduate program and he could not recommend it highly enough to me. So the IBEC graduate program, basically like, you know, they're one of the biggest employers in Ireland what they do is every year, um, a couple of distilleries will come to them. Uh, say it could be Tealings, it could be the Lock, it could be Proximo Spirits, which will be Bushmills and Sexton and Proper 12. And they'll just say, look, we want a couple of brand ambassadors um, for our market. It could be in Germany, it could be in America, it could be Ireland, it could be England. And I Ibeck, what they do is hold all the interviews, get all the graduates together and then go from there. So usually there's around two or 3,000 people a year go for... Uh, the drinks um, industry one there's, there's a few of them one of them is tourism and one of them is food and drink. so I went for the drinks one and there were two or three thousand people every year go for that there's only seven places actually given out on that program so I uh, I don't know how I got it it must have been pure fluke somebody must have uh, called in sick that day or something but I was very very lucky to get a place on the IBIT graduate program so I ended up working with small distillery from catter in County Kerry called Skellig 618. And from there, um, I worked with them from 2020, I want to say, 21 to 22. And at that time, obviously, it was kind of in, like, the height coming towards near the end of, of COVID. But we were still, obviously, you know, there was still all the masks to be worn. Like, so you'd be going to bars um, that were having to operate off a skeleton through going in selling a super premium gin, Um, so it was tough, very very tough Um, really was pushing a rock up a hill, especially in Dublin because when you're in Dublin you're against all the bigger guys, the Jemisons with their Method of Madness, the IDL in a larger extent Um, you're against the Gardens, the Beefeaters Tankerays, Bombay Sapphires and all the bars want to do scale back their gins and just sell what they know is going to sell they don't want to take a risk on a new type of gin that they've barely ever heard of so that's where I come in, try my best to sell it and get them onto my way of thinking. Um, to be honest, once the product is good, it does the talking for itself. And then did that for a while, did that for about a year. At the same time, my contract was nearly coming to an end. And a good friend of mine who's also in the IBEC graduate program, um, her name is Aoife Hand. Uh, she is also now full time with uh, Glenn Lock as their German brand ambassador. So she came, sent me a voice on one day saying we're looking for a BA on for Ireland. So I said, there's no way in hell I'm getting this because I know the caliber of people they'd be looking for. And I, don't, I didn't think I, I was good enough for it. So I said, you know what? Throw, throw your hat in the ring and see what happens. Got a call back from the manager, the hiring manager. And within three to four weeks, I had three interviews done and I got in the role and I was absolutely delighted with it. So I started in October of last year. And it's safe to say the pace is nothing but absolutely insane. Um, one week is never like the next, and one day and one hour nearly is ever like the next. Sunday you could be doing a training, some days you'd be dropping in POS, other days you'd be doing events, be doing tastings. You know, it really is quite varied. You know, true. This morning I was in Hooks and Camden Street, and I was helping the bar bar manager take the windbreakers out and put them onto the onto the front of the bar. So like just random stuff that you might do any day of the week. Um, but yeah, it's a uh, it's a great job. It, it it is a really great job, and I really prefer it to being in the office because I've had that time now of sitting in an office for two for eight hours, nine hours a day, and it just wasn't really fulfilling. To be quite honest with you, I love the fact that now I can be out on the road all day, every day, and I only have to go into the office maybe if I need to once a month. And there's no there's no you know impetus on me to ever go into the office ever again if I don't want to. So I love I love having that freedom of it. Your schedule is your own. Uh, you kind of make your own day of it. You make your own plan. And you're more independent, you know, which I really, really want. Um, I didn't like having to be stuck in an office nine, ten hours a day, you know, banging away on a keyboard, just plugging out cold calls, you know. It's a way – I find the job way more rewarding anyway because what you're doing is it's a product you really like and you're sitting in front of people – Bringing them through the steps and why it's important, why you feel it's important, what you really love about it, and they more often than not are going to share the same interest that you have, and that's what really, really is the kind of the core of the whole thing. That's what I love about the job.
0: It's your story in a sense as well, because from knowing you, the time I knew you, you were always quite outgoing. So growing up, were you always quite outgoing and that kind of go-to kind of guy? Owen's going to be kind of the guy for the answer and he's going to be go for the crack and, he, and he's good like with people I
1: don't think that anybody is ever like fully uh, outgoing or introverted they're either like they're in the middle yeah. and sometimes they kind of change so I felt I was some days I could be very outgoing some days I could be very introverted some days I could be very shy but I've, what I've found since working in Ball Street I'm just not that at all really I'm more on the extroverted side Yeah, and out there I'll happily do my own thing I used to get embarrassed very easily I don't really anymore. I just huh. don't care. And so I'm I've got that all from Bow Street, you see. I think Bow Street really helped me kind of come out come out of my shell a lot as well. Because I I wasn't really like that a whole lot when I was in like, you know, U C D or when I was in college, it just wasn't like that. It was very quiet, very reserved, very shy as well. But I felt it come um come out of my shell a lot more, especially with Bow Street. Because the thing is like you and I both know we're both surrounded by extremely extroverted people. Like mm. the people you meet in Bow Street aren't the people you'd meet in a regular day. They're the most, they're the funniest, the most outgoing, the most energetic people I've ever met in my life. And that's, and you feed off that and you really grow off it. Like, you know, and you take some things with you too, you know? So I felt that really worked for me and that kind of helped. It's all about your surroundings at the end of the day, isn't it? Like,
0: yeah, no, it, no, it is. I agree. But also, as well, it's about, you know, your personality. And especially in the whiskey industry or the spirits industry, you want to have that curiosity about you and you want to have mm. that passion. If you have curiosity and passion, people, and and of course that relatability and also personability, and you have that, people buy into who you are. And honesty. You need to be honest with people because they won't buy into what you're selling if you don't show a kind of integrity and respect and honesty. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely.
1: If you've got no, like, I remember, you know, like going into bars and I'd be selling my old product and sometimes you'd be very deflated. And Mm -hmm. the thing is, Within seconds, a bar manager is gonna pick up on that and be yeah. like, this guy doesn't believe what he's selling, this guy yeah. doesn't want to sell it. And the thing is if I stand up and do a tasting and I have my head down like this and looking at my looking at my shoes, like you're gonna lose people so so fast. No one's yeah. gonna care after a while. But if you have a kind of a belief in what you're doing, what you're selling, and you kind of stick the chest out a bit, it's very simple. Just say what your chest. That's it, uh. very easy. And people people will just feed off it like. Because if if like they can people can pick up really quickly, like if you like what you're selling or not. And that they you know, this guy, you don't need to really listen to him. He's not really one to be listened to, he doesn't look like he likes one or he even wants to be here. You know, people really pick up on that. I've been to many a tasting, I've been to many events before where I've seen people and they've just been just like, Yeah, so this is the new one now, and it's it's really yeah, It is what it is. Come on, why am I here? Come on, tell me why. I why why should I be giving up my day and giving you my money to be here? Like you know, so I get to put on a bit of a show, but if, it's not really an effort if you're like that. So I feel I've been I've become more like that in mm. the last few years, it were you know. But it's 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 also the fact, like you know, if you love what you're doing, if you like what you're doing, like it's not that big a deal. It's not hard, yeah. you, know? you know. It's very simple, you know.
0: But but also like I mean, as you say, a post street you know, there's a curiosity about the people who meet meet us every day. So they want to know about you. I don't know if you get as much of that curiosity from your from the punters and the in the bars you go to. Do people go, oh, oh, where are you from and all that, or is it more about the actual knowledge base of what they're gonna learn and a bit and a new taste, you know?
1: I had a, I had a tasting last night and then obviously I've distilled in Dublin on oh. Nassau Street. And uh I was walking around at the end of it just Showing face to the to the punters and just saying, you know, how you know, did enjoy that? Do you have any questions for me? Because they always do invariably yeah. at the end.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And three people were sitting beside you, and they all had their notes out, and they were taking little notes as I was talking. I was like, this is absolutely class. I yes. love this because yeah, I do. I absolutely love it because people yeah. are actually interested. I yeah. gave them a cocktail on arrival and said, like, "What's in that? Oh, Gorgeous." was like huh. very simple. Three ingredients. Just double double barrel um but bitters and simple syrup it's old fashioned it's easy
0: Mm -hmm.
1: um but but like they actually really want to know and the thing is when you get that like it's just it's a proper breath of fresh air like jesus i know i this is a little bit of why i'm doing it you know because you get people who are just as curious as you and sure like we're saying even top of the call like you know our, our mutual friend uh, Gavin Owens, like you know, extremely, extremely curious all the time, and that's the thing. And you have to be. You always have to be researching, looking at the news, looking to see what's happening. You know, because you can't you can't work in a silo because that's not that's never going to work. No, but you always have to have your head above the parapet, as a, as a, I like to say sometimes. Just keep keep your nose in and see what. Like you have to be up to date with what's happening in the industry. Vine pair is a very good uh, thing I follow. Which will always have industry news as well. Just even small things, or even just like, even just not being happy with the knowledge you have, like being like hungry for more, like because you're at the end of the day, like people are going to ask you seriously detailed questions, and you have to be ready to answer them. And if they if you blag, and if you just go, mm, mm, I, 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 they'll know. So you have to be prepared for for a lot of the different things. You know, you can't just be too satisfied with having the bare bones of information. You have to you have to always always be. Be curious.
0: I'm going to teach you, but I'm not going to tell you because if you tell someone, they're going to take it. But if you teach them, they'll go, no, I learned something today. It's interesting. Mm -hmm. It's fascinating. It's, you know, I learned a story. I learned something, you know? Yeah, that's the thing. Like,
1: people aren't going to, like, in my tastes, right, what I do is I give a bit of a break in between each whiskey. Yes. So, like, what I like to do is I really don't want to stand up and talk ad nauseum about every whiskey. Here's the notes. Here's the process. Here's the method. Here's everything behind (laughs) it. That's been done... A thousand times. BAs know that. Lads, lads don't want that. So what I do is I keep a nice little flow. I give about maybe five, ten minutes. They can discuss amongst themselves. Because at the end of the day, they're not here to see you. They're here to, ch- to to drink some good whiskey. And that's simply all they're trying to do. And have a laugh with their friends. But the thing is, if you st- stand there and talk and lecture people ad nauseum, nothing is going to go into their heads. No. Because, like, when I remember being in school, sure, like I just had nothing. There'd be nothing there. There'd be nothing in there. There'd be nothing going in. There'd be nothing going out. it would be like a big rock nothing happening so i wouldn't want to listen to that i wouldn't even want to listen to anybody talk for an hour at length about whiskey unless i had some little break or some nice easy conversation go flowing through the whole way you know there has to be a rhythm to these things no standing yeah. up and people, nobody wants to be lectured especially when you're like a grown man or a grown woman and you're coming back on a day at the office and you just want to sit down chat a little bit drink a little bit and learn a small bit that's all you want yeah. You big in them. if you want to do that. There's master classes that'll cater specifically for it. There's people go and these people congregate in their droves to go to these things, and that's the people who you want to be lecturing to. You have to pick the crowd, but um, people some people love that, some people don't. In general, the majority they don't feel like they want to be lectured to. I wouldn't, anyway, you know, would you? Uh,
0: no, and and I guess like. I'm only getting, I'm getting into more of the whiskey tastings and bars. It's a very different vibe. I remember your good friend, Seamus O'G from Eklanville. Mm-hmm. We went, we went to a bar in Dublin there recently. Flowing Tide, flowing Tide. Oh, tide. oh yeah. sorry. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. And that's a bar scene. Like this lad's coming down because the toilet's downstairs. So they're walking through, you know what I mean? So it's just like, it, yeah. you just have to be able to deal. It's not, it's not like it's, it's a controlled environment. There's people walking around. There's people running by you all the time. So you have to come to like, I'm in a bar. I'm presenting whiskey I'm doing my best you know what I mean you know what I mean you, yeah. you, can't, you can't really expect things are going to happen you you, you just got to go with the flow a little bit you know yeah well, things are always going to happen
1: like like I said to you to start like at the tasting last week I had three groups of people walk in 40 to 50 minutes late between them so yeah. you just have to work with it like and, yeah. and also all, all at the same time last Thursday there was the orange weather warning effect and people were coming out to do this tasting and it was hissing rain and the hail and it was freezing cold, and they still came out, and the place was packed. Huh. So, you're not going to be mad at someone for showing up 40 minutes late when probably a lot of the buses weren't going, or, you know, public transport wasn't the greatest that day, or something like that. Come on, like, get over yourself. You when, you were, when, you,
0: when you were doing the IBEC thing, uh, the IBEC uh, uh, graduate program, did you get to travel much, or was it basically just based in Dublin? Because you travel with this job around the country.
1: Yeah, I travelled, I was only in Ireland. I was only in Ireland for the for Skellig as well. Okay. Um, I did, however, last year go to Provine in Dusseldorf, which mm-hmm. is absolutely unbelievable. Said uh, the biggest Spirits trade fair in the entire world. Uh, Seventy thousand people a year go to it. Okay. And um, sixteen halls, or as they call it in German, messes, mm-hmm. and uh, each hall is the size of an RDS. It will take you about twenty minutes to walk from one hall to the next. Mm-hmm. They've got like a Prosecco hall, a Champagne hall, a white wine hall. It's ridiculous stuff. It's mental. Um. But it's great crack though because that's when all the BAs that's one of the events where all the BAs from Ireland in whiskey they all get together yeah. and they all get to see each other again it's like because it's very easy to feel like you're working in a complete and utter uh, bubble and there's no yeah. one around you and this job can be very isolating sometimes so when you're at events and you get to meet BAs go well, for a couple of points have a bit of a chat and have an old laugh. it's unreal like it makes it was the first time I ever felt I was like Jesus I actually do you know what, there's other people who like it just as like just as much as I do. And it was actually the first time I ever got that feeling I was Like, this is absolutely class. So yeah, it really like when you meet people who have the same interests as you same deep interest and same deep love for it, like you're like, This is just brilliant, you know.
0: Because yeah. you wouldn't I mean, I
1: feel like that for a while. He was like, I'm just doing this now, I like what I'm doing, but
0: Yeah, I said, Yeah, exactly. You're you're a brand ambassador, you're on the road a lot. You must have to become comfortable with yourself a little bit because it goes back to the whole introvert, extrovert. You like to be maybe on your own, thinking, writing notes, stuff like that, so whatever's coming up. And then you like to be extrovert when you meet the crowd, and that makes your day, in a sense.
1: Yeah, and you're really like, I'm I'm so, I'm so indecisive of what I am as a person. It's like, do I want to be this or do I want to be that? I choose yeah. it on the day. It's the day I'm going to be introverted, or it's the day I'm going to be extroverted. But you know what? I might just do the back and middle. Again, mm. very bad. Like, just pick your side. Just go with it. But I can't do that. Um, yeah. And when I, was, when I was really, really small, I was like 9 or 10. I was like looking at like trying to buy like sweets. And I was like, I actually had to stand there for 20 minutes. I couldn't decide what I wanted to get. That's just me in a nutshell, to be honest. <laughs> Indecisive. <the> site. <laughs> yeah, but, um, but yeah, like it's so, you do have to be very comfortable to work on your own. Because yeah. you are, different bars are going to throw different things at you. And different customers are going to throw different things at you. <clears throat> Let's say if one, one customer is unhappy with pricing or one needs support in terms of like point of sale stuff like, Poster signage, that kind of stuff. Like simple stuff. You need to be able to figure out the problem very quickly on your own, um, because bear in mind, everybody is is working just as hard as you are, but these problems can easily be fixed on my own terms and in just with me. Um, and you need to be able to quickly think in your feet, what's the best way to solve this problem, but what's also the most cost efficient way mm-hmm. to solve this problem, because cost efficiency is very, very important when it comes to drinks. So, because like we're a small. We're still a small company. Glendalock are still a small company. they own, but of course they're backed by one of the biggest independent spirits companies in the entire world, which is Mark Antony Brands. Um, but make no mistake, like we are still small. We like, for example, we don't go big into the Paddy's Day thing. That's why you're not going to see a whole lot of Paddy's Day stuff around. But Glendalock. mainly because uh, if you're doing that, you need to open up the checkbook and compete with the likes of Jemison, the Bushmills, that kind of stuff. And sometimes you can get your small ones, but if you really want to play with them, you have to open up the checkbook. And sometimes you need to just think, you need to be bootstrapped would be nearly be the word. I'd say think on the fly.
0: So outside of Ireland, where is, what is Glenlock big in America or European mainly? Glenlock is uh huge
1: in America. Yeah. Uh, it's big. In, it's very, very big in the States. Yeah. Um, we were at uh, the top 10 trending whiskies in the States last year. Mm-hmm. Um So something that we're very, very, very proud of. Um, there was one of the founders actually, Donald Ogalicor, um, who was like Mr. USA. He went over to Boston and he did unbelievable work when he was when he's there. Um, but like one guy kind of took on the states on his own. He's these lads are unbelievable. These founders, like five lads, five friends. They're, they're studies in in the in themselves, you know. Um they what they used to do was do um a lighthouse strategy have you ever heard of that before see what what you do basically is you pick a you pick a an area maybe a city that has that's known you know cool drinks different cocktails Mm -hmm. different cocktail trends chicago or boston for example and then you hone in then on a specific part and then you hone in even closer on a couple of bars and then from there you might get maybe five to 15 bars that you think you want to work with you hone that down even more to two or three key bars in that area where you'll have bartenders who are industry experts that follow the trends and that create their own, and all of the bars around that area take their kind of learnings from this one bar. So say, for example, in Dublin, it would be 1661, uh, the best bar in Ireland. Um, you know, the guys at David Mulligan and George Taylor, that would be an example. So what you do is basically over-invest in, a, in one or two bars along the same street, and all you do is just hammer away and just... Basically, the idea is getting the staff fully trained up on Lock, getting them to love the brand, getting them to understand a bit more about it, experiment, interact with new and exciting new different cocktail ideas, um, and kind of just building it from there. And it's a case-by-case-by-case by case by case basis, and it's very slow, and it's very painful, but it works. And that's what Lock did at the very start um, when they went to America. So very small wins, they stack up, and they become... Uh, become one one big huge win for the for the brand. Uh, but it's it's hard work. It's a lot of hard work and a lot of graft and a lot of sleepless nights, I'm sure, for the lads in the States. But sadly I, I was never part of that of course I because I only joined in October. Full story of how they all the guys started, you know. So it's a uh, it's tough work but it's good work.
0: So excuse the it's point, it's very crafty. Yeah.
1: It is very crafty. No. It is.
0: <laughs> but also as well, like you're thinking like the story of these lads are all from Wicklow. They're all from that kind of area. Mm-hmm um and they you know they wanted to center it on glenn block because the like because one of your whiskeys relates to saint kevin the seven years away and that, and they talk about the whole moving away from that comfort zone like what did they do before they get into what what they do now what are you in business or what was the what was the bag yes
1: yeah, so what the guys do basically what they all used to do they used to work on um marketing mm-hmm. uh i think brian fagan was in some finance huh. um and then but gary mclaughlin was a marketing director and he used to work as a, in a creative ad agency, yeah. and so did Kevin Keenan. So these lads would have worked for some of the biggest spirits brands in the world. They also would have worked for likes of Diageo, or Heineken. So they know how to sell premium spirits and know how to create them. Um, but when they started, um, they decided to do something completely, utterly different because they actually spotted a gap in the market, and... Um, they found that there was no other craft distillery in Ireland at the time. So we were actually the first ever craft distillery in Ireland. So we were in before Dingle, Blackwater, mm. Gunpowder, all of them, which a lot of people kind of tend to forget, you know? Um, but we had the kind of first mover advantage. Um, And what happened was, lads spotted a gap in the market and they realised that there's something to be made out of this. Um, We can do something here. And they already had a kind of passion for spirits as well and an interest. Um, So what they... Ended up doing pretty much was um, at the start, it was very much Gary was doing two jobs at the same time. He was working in his own job during the day and doing bent the lock at night. And it was a lot of sleepless nights. So after a while, of course, the brand grew so big that <clears throat> the lads had to, to go in full time at it. And as either just we're, we're in 100% or, or we're not at all, you know. So um, it is, again, it's a huge risk to set up any type of a distillery. The capital you need is insane. It is ridiculous, like so. But the lads got very good. Apparently, I was listened because I know this. Uh, I know this for a fact because I was listening to Gary McLaughlin talk mm. Um, mm. on a podcast recently, and he said that you have to get very good at filling out grants. And the thing is, a lot of people don't notice if it's not for if it wasn't for board via, a lot of the facilities would not be here because they're the ones uh, who support all of us. We went to Pro wine last year. We went to the Board Bia stand. There wasn't an Irish whiskey stand; it was a Board Bia stand, and they are the ones who who support all your grants, and you know, get your um, kind of expertise route to market out of the way kind of stuff. So again, if it wasn't for them. You know, I don't know where Irish whiskey would be, but of course, you know, there's only there's two or three key things that kind of have helped the Irish whiskey industry grow. Of course, one of them is Middleton. Another one, of course, is going to be John Teeling. That's indisputable, and Board Bia. Yeah, um, he's he is like without a doubt the godfather of Irish whiskey. That's a, that's my opinion. And if you want to take, if you want to fight, man. Well, yeah, no, the lads, what they did, like, so hmm. they all what they started off and was putchine again, just still in putchine, a massive risk, a huge risk because it was 2011. Yeah. Bear in mind, yeah. the knowledge for putchine isn't where it is now. We don't have bars that specifically cater to it, like 1661, for yeah. example. Yeah. You're seeing a lot more putchine cocktails coming uh, back on the menu now, which is amazing because yeah. it is a truly Irish spirit. It's actually, right now it's actually got, um, it is uh, legally protected as uh, with the GI, with the Geographic Index and a technical file that only Irish poutine can be made in Ireland. You cannot get it anywhere else in the world or make it anywhere else. It's truly Irish. But uh, sure, it was banned in 1661 and uh, made legal only in 1987. So again, it's one of those spirits where it's existed before or 500 years 600 years so it's been around a long long time a lot longer than any of this was here for sure um, but again Glendalock is all about taking risks and yeah. innovating yeah. very quickly and moving extremely fast that's what they do so what they realised when they started is, is we need to get going we need to go into the states we need to export we need to move fast because, because if we're moving there's somebody else doing it as well and of course you have like PJ Rigney uh, with uh, gunpowder and you have um, Oliver Reed at the time, God rest him, with uh, Dingle. So, mm. you know, those guys are moving quickly. So we need to be there first. So, again, it's all about moving quickly, thinking on your feet, being fast. And that's it. Um, so that that's the kind of characteristics of 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 the brand as well. But the main thing really is like the, you were saying St. Kevin there earlier. Yeah. <clears throat> so we would have chosen St. Kevin. As a, so take, well, there's a few reasons, obviously. One, one being the fact that you see in every bottle of Leinster Lock, um, it's on the bottom of every bottle. It says "Stand Apart." Yes. So, St. Kevin was like he was a son of um, Irish nobility. He was a son of one of the high kings of Leinster, mm. and um, he was born in the sixth sixth century in Killemana, of
0: course, not too
1: far away from Tallaght. Oh no, yeah, uh, like Tallaght So he was, yeah, he loved his man. Tallaght royalty.
0: You're welcome. You're welcome.
1: A royalty, yeah. The idea with St. Kevin and Stand Apart is that Kevin didn't really want to become, uh, want to be living this life of nobility, uh, a life of infinite resources, never having to work really a day in his life. So what he decided to do was become a monk, become ordained. And uh, what he wanted to do was um, favour what you would refer to as called an ascetic life or become an an ascetic monk. Um, the same type of monks that would have settled on um, Skellig Michael, for example, an ascetic monk is one that just favours a life of solace, quiet and peace, and removes all kind of distractions uh, from their from their lives and devotes their life purely to God. That's what they do. So Saint Kevin he had a really bad habit of just running away. Um, so he dis- So when he was second, he was ordained. He took up into the Wicklow Mountains. Um, he walked barefoot. Uh, lived off the uh, nettles and the botanicals that grew wildly along uh, in the Wicklow Mountains. And he settled in a little cave on the upper lake in Glendalough, which is called to this day St. Kevin's Bed. So his bed was a stone and his pillow was also a stone. So he wasn't really much of a man for comfort in any way. And um, that kind of miracles of him in nature. The one is the most famous one is, of course, the one that's on every single bottle of Glenlock, was with Kevin with his arms outstretched. Um, so he was a great lover of animals. He didn't like people all too much, though. And he had about 3,000 followers by the time he died. Um, and they were the ones that built the seven churches that are still there to this day in, in Glendalough. And if, you, if none of your none of your listeners have gone, I highly reckon, recommend going to Glendalough, doing a tour. And what you need to do after that is you need to pop into the Wicklow Heather and get yourself a glass of Glendalough double barrel and then a glass of Glendalough pot still. I highly recommend it, all right? Tell them Owen sent you and they'll say, who? Uh, no. <laughs> 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 so basically, um, well, uh, there's a lot of miracles of Saint Kevin in nature, and if you ever look up Saint Kevin of Glendalough, you will see invariably there's going to be an animal, a cow or an otter, um, or a bird in that picture that's been commissioned. Yeah. Um, so the one there's a lot of famous ones. One of them is like when one day Saint Kevin lost his Bible, and a week later. An otter swam up the lake and just dropped the the book, the Bible, at the, at St. Kevin's feet. Now, you can believe that if you want, you can fire away. I'm not stopping you now, Shane. But the other one, of course, is the most famous one. And when he was meditating one day and praying, he went out and he waded out into the lake at waist height, and his arms had stretched, his palms flat, and his eyes closed. And a blackbird lay in his hands. He laid an egg, uh, made a nest, laid an egg, and he waited 13 days and 13 nights for the fledgling little bird to fly away. The idea with St. Kevin is he was ever patient, and he lived his life deliberately, and that's one of the kind of brand pillars of Gandelock, living deliberately, living with intent, uh, really, uh, uh, and uh, choosing something with a bit more substance. So the thing is, the lads who founded Gandelock, they could have chosen, you know, they'll stay in their lovely jobs, and get their lovely pensions, uh, or they could take a risk and and go the road that's a little less travelled by and do something extremely different. Like, the thing is, and bear in mind, these lads had no deep knowledge of distilling. They didn't have any distilling certificates. They worked in finance and marketing. And the only thing that was really guiding them was a bit of a was a passion, and I love to do something like this. On paper, starting a distillery is probably the worst investment you could possibly ever make. Because you're looking at a bank, you're saying, I, I want a loan of $6 million. Okay, why? Uh, we're building a distillery. Okay, when you're gonna have product mm, three to four years minimum. That's so what you're gonna be selling. Not much. It's like, how does that work? So you need to have a real love for what you're doing because yeah. everyone, all the the guys that have started their own distilleries, I've met a few of them. It's two Clancy brothers that started Reed Distillery, they're lovely guys. They do the slingshot gin, yeah. that's what they do. Uh, the only gin in the world that uses peat as a botanical, it is unbelievable. It's class. Um, but uh, they're two lads, two brothers that are just all they want to do is distill. Is look at Cologne. Look at look at Brendan Carty. Works off, uh, he works off um, fl- something that not a lot of other distilleries are doing is flame fires or direct fire stills. When you're doing that, basically instead of having a bath or water bath or um, uh, kind of, I suppose, what you would call basically a heater to heat up the still, you're using a direct Direct fire. So again, you need to be extremely good at what you're doing. Basically, you need to be able to control the heat of it extremely well as well. You know, it's not all process; it's proper just craft. You know, and these lads love what they do. You're not in it to make money. Money is great; money comes, but you're not in it to make money. And if you are, you're in the wrong industry. Lads are only doing this because they love it. Look at Peter Ryan like you know, he says himself, he's on it. He, he's not in it for the cash at the end of the day. Because if you are, you're in the wrong. You're in the wrong game. I feel. I feel that all the lads that start up their own distillery, all the men and women in Ireland that have started up their own business, their own distilleries, they all do it for one reason. They just love Irish spirit and they know that it's worth sharing with the rest of the world. And it's really as simple as that, you know, because if you don't have that, you're going to have a lot of very lonely, lonely, tough days where, you know, you're not seeing that needle move very quickly like you it to. And the only thing that's going to kind of comfort you is, is really, do I love this? Do I really want to be here? And if you really can answer that and say, yes, I truly want to be here, then it'll be fine. But everyone in the industry all has the same ethos, love for Irish spirits, and the want to show it to the world, and that's it.
0: Yeah, and that's it. I mean, if 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 you're a marketing person and you're you're marketing for whatever brand around the world, you know, um. You they had they, they, the, those brands generally have longevity and history behind them. Where they, they, they these mm. guys have brand experience, but they are they're often Wicklow. Mm.
1: Uh, yeah,
0: yeah. Glendalough is a well-known, you know, historical site in Wicklow. Mm. So they they use the history, and that's important. But also, it, it kind of reflects in their story as well. They they taking mm. risks. They are going the path not chosen by many people. Most people mm. will do the nine to five job, and I I firmly believe if you have a passion for something. Eventually, you will live that passion because you're not going to be happy but but in a nine to five job, Mm. lining someone else's pockets. You won't, you know. No,
1: you won't. Not at all. Not at all. No, you won't.
0: There's no, there's no point.
1: If you, I've been in jobs before where I haven't been overly delighted, and it's like, what is the point of this? Oh my God, gave me energy here. Like I used to do so many random odd jobs before. Genesis, like I am never going to be here in the next couple of months. This is not for me in any way. It's a stopgap. I. This isn't like, you know, it's just it's it's soul crushing. It is soul crushing doing something you don't want to do. Like,
0: it's you know, it, it's it, it it is it's soul crushing if you don't have that in you that you it, it, that you actually feel like you should be doing some you should be doing something more. If you mm. if you question things in life, if you just go, oh, this is a job. I'll do a job and, mm. and I, I'm ready for the weekend. I used to live for the weekend. I don't as much anymore. Yeah, you know Same. what I mean your weekends are probably working well maybe not yeah. Like it. yeah
1: maybe uh, sometimes now sometimes when it, it, comes, saturday. When it yeah. comes up to christmas i do a lot of in-store tastings and i would be doing yeah. them for maybe like six seven to eight hours a day on a saturday or a yeah. friday but that's rare i try to keep it so i don't have a lot of have my saturdays free yeah um but yeah no I, and even still like to should be really honest like i don't care if i work on a saturday i yeah. don't care have that's I'm fine. Like, but like, yeah. but there'll be some jobs where you know it all, cause it, it doesn't matter. Like, if you, if I I I'm just simply in a case of like I was doing nothing anyway, and I don't really care, and I, mm. I'm happy to be here where I am because first of all, you get the time back next week. There's no bottom. You get you no know, there's no bottom, No bottom. You get the yeah. day back. Like, yeah. You get a nice little midweek break, which is not bad at all. Mm. Um, so it all works out. Like, so it's all fine for me. Like working on a Saturday doesn't really bother me too much. But don't tell my manager that. Um, if you <laughs> don't don't tell Roland that, please. I'll email Maybe. him. Uh, <laughs>
0: oh, <shit. laughs> no, but uh, no, but like as a brand ambassador, you're a storyteller. You are. You're telling a story, and it's a fairly new brand and and a, and a fairly uh, adventurous project. Okay, those guys didn't have any distilling experience. Who's the head? Who's the head distiller or the distiller? Is it same the same guy who was so then?
1: It was uh, so Rowdy is our distiller, Rowdy Rooney. Right. Um, if you don't know him. Uh, your listeners, know. his real name isn't Rowdy. His real name is actually Kieran, but he got that nickname uh, in his first job, um, and it stuck. So he's leaned into it now, where so he finishes emails with "Thanks, Rowdy." But basically, um, these lads, so when they would have started, they would have been seeking a lot of kind of help, um, outside help from other consultants. Mm. Like you're going to get, like there are there are figures in the industry that will assist you when you're setting up a distillery. One off the top of my head, Doctor Jack O'Shea. He is a legend in the industry. He's only got think, what, two PhDs at this stage. If you ever want to say anyone who has ever set up as a in Ireland in the last ten to fifteen years, at some point has asked Dr. Jack O'Shea, "How do we do this?" Yeah. He is a legend in the industry. If it wasn't for him, of course. You know, people would be a bit stuck for for who to call. You know, so they would have used they would have leaned on a lot of consultants at the start. That's how it is. Uh, when they started up, the distillery the, the was, of course, it was first protein and then gin, of course. Of course, whiskey will take three years to fully mature. So when they started, they bought a 500-litre copper pot still from a company called Holstein in Bavaria in Germany. Oh, nice. And uh, and uh, they called it Kathleen. I don't know why it's called Kathleen. Um, they haven't told me yet. <laughs> I have to wait for the probation to fill to, to, to <laughs> the tell why it's called Kathleen. Can't wait to know, <laughs> but, um, I think it's a thing where you uh, distilleries will actually name their stills. Mm. So, like for example, you know, like John Teeling's stills—they're all named daughters. After the daughter.
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, that's a cool thing. I think it's a. think I think it's bad luck if you don't do it yeah so the question was basically yeah the ceiling so these lads so what the, what happened was Rowdy used to actually work in telecommunications for 15 years and he is a really, he was a really really good close friend of some of the founders Brian and Kevin Keenan were two was some of his best mates mm. and one day he was I think it was at Brian's apartment and Brian was testing out different samples of gin and Rowdy was like Jesus Christ I would love to have as much passion for a job as Brian has so I said like what can I do for you can I like you know like put some um, things on bottles for you. Can I, like, you know, what can I do? Can I just bottle up a few samples for you? Can I kind of yeah, of course, anything. He started doing up little bits here and there. Got it, Then he got a proper certificate then in brewing in the setting. And then he created some of the seasonal gins, which is how uh, Glendalough really got put on the map first. So he got picked up by Forbes, did an article on Glendalough. And um, that's where it really took off, as in this is a distillery in Ireland now, smaller little craft distillery doing something a bit different. You know, no one's done seasonal gins before. You know, spring, summer, autumn, winter, and each year is going to be different. You know, they all work with what's in season, so they work with the with the with you know, the seasons as opposed to just pushing against them. Um, you know, so that was what really got got us uh, got us in in the door first, and then Rowdy started to still seasonal, then the wild botanical, and then the rose. So bear in mind, Rowdy had no prior knowledge of distilling. He said. Look, it can't be that hard. It's just the pure confidence of the man, like you know. And then went on to do his thing to sell his seasonal gins, Wild Botanical, his Rose. All of these gins, have all won awards. Most recently, the Rose Gin, um, good story as well. Best... Emotional oh, story, yeah. yeah. Very good story. Yeah. It won. It won the best, uh, the best flavored gin in Ireland, uh, this year. Hmm. The it one it two years ago as well. So now it's nominated for the best flavored gin in the world. So, you know. For a lad to go from telecommunications to making some of the best gins in Ireland, that I think is pretty cool. Uh, you know, with uh, no prior knowledge. But, All he had was just like, This is what I want to do. I'm gonna leave this job now and go and do something completely different. He has this serious like confidence, he said, mm. Jesus. I can do this, no problem. And I can yeah. throw my hand at everything. And that's what happens, actually, in this industry. You're going to get a lot of people. You're going to walk past a lot of people here that have this serious level of confidence where, yeah, is a they can do it, I can do it way better than them. They're all able to do that. And that's what you have to have. Like, you know, these lads, you know, um, like some of them now have gone on to their own things. Mm. Like Brent Fagan, for example, has started up a new brewery. Like, I'm sure you know, Five Lamps
0: all oh, oh, right yeah that's him Th-
1: yeah
0: that makes sense black pits let's yeah. talk about black pits oh, so that's a connection oh i like five lamps is good i didn't realize mm. it's producing camden because we were in camden the other day for an event yeah. and it's upstairs yeah, in like, camden the old palace
1: i only went to the palace nightclub once and i never went there again that <laughs> i just ne- i just closed down after i went in i don't know what i don't you're, know oh and try-
0: you're from the country come on i Kenny boys now are you more coppers now We'll be more Orions. Uh, Ryan's. Ryan's, <laughs> ah, that's next. That's a lovely little trad bar. It's grand, grand, it's grand spot. <laughs> yeah, it's <brilliant>. The
1: thing <laughs> is, the thing is, if you're with like, it's very handy if you're with a county hurler, you get in for free, you know. <laughs> if you're on county hurler, and get your own free pint. No way, really? Oh yeah, like that. that's just tends to be how it is, like you know. Well, if you're if you're if you come yeah. in and you have someone from the county, like
0: if your county won, well, well, you know.
1: Well, I know, but now, of course, I always have to pay a full price. You know,
0: I I, I always
1: have to wait in line. I'm waiting out in the cold Well, you know, you know Paddy Hogan, Hogan, they're inside, you know, warm, having yeah. I'm sitting out in the cold waiting.
0: <laughs> Love it. So the Black Pits is like a stout finish. It's like coffee and cocoa and kind of that kind of heavy. Oh, okay. Okay.
1: Yeah. Interesting. I, um, Black Pits. That's interesting because they're teething for Black Pits as well.
0: Mm, There you go. Single malt. They're uh, peated. Whiskey. Peated. Oh, okay. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's behind, yeah. Uh, it's near yes. Fumbly, it's near there, it's behind Teeling's Distillery, yeah.
0: There you go, so they, that's, yeah. where, that's where the name came from, I guess. Mm. But let's talk about some of the whiskies because like, yeah. I'm fascinated yes. about the, um, what we're called Pottsdale Whiskey, uh, you've got the Dull Barrel. Mm-hmm. Um, how do they go about getting Japanese oak? It's very rare, it's a rare bird, like in regards to Irish whiskey, we generally go for, you know, ex-bourbon, ex-sherry. And maybe mm-hmm. some Irish oak finishes like you guys do. The
1: double barrel, first of all, is the entry level yeah. whiskey. It's a single grain, three and a half year old ex bourbon. Mm-hmm. Finished then six to nine months after three and a half into the Pot still again is Irish oak finish. The idea behind that is just making the flavor of Irish oak available to everybody. Yeah. So there's only two yeah. other whiskeys in Ireland that use Irish oak, and that is Middleton Dargoylak and the new Jemison Potstill. Mm-hmm. For that, of course, there was just Middleton Dargoylak. Potstill is a new release, of course, like you know yourself, obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, the the, the I, I'm just look. I'm literally looking at a bottle of Mizanara right here. Up, okay. I've got like I've got like twenty bottles of whiskey up there in the shelf. It's probably going to fall down soon. I'd say with the weight of it. But uh, no, it's it's absolutely. It's just an absolutely stellar whiskey. So the idea is right, and it's very important to mention that Glenlock were the first ever distillery in Ireland to start using uh, Mizanara oak. We were mm-hmm. the first. So <clears throat> we did that with our. I want to say it was the seventeen year old. Uh, ben Glock that we were that was released, it was finished for a year. Mizanara, please correct me on that if I'm wrong, I should know that myself. Yeah, so basically, um, what happened was there is it's a, it's a six years ex bourbon, one year. mizenara so Mizanara, first of all, translates into English as water oak, okay. so being it's so porous and it's extremely full of holes. Um, and the Mizanara oak tree. If you've ever seen one, or you can look up a picture of one. They grow twisted and they grow extremely warped. Um, so you can't normally cut the tree down like you normally would. Or you, Your listeners don't know the normal process for making a, a tree into it cask you have to quarter saw the barrel so you can take cross section like a little circle there Mm -hmm. and you quarter that Mm -hmm. and those pieces you just remove and those lengths you cut across them and they're going to be the staves so that way when you quarter saw you have to be able to keep the barrel nice and airtight because there's nothing keeping together uh, keeping the barrel together except for a couple of um steel hoops there's no glue there's no nails Mm -hmm. it's all just pure and utter precision it's Unbelievable how they do yes. it. So basically what happens is these casks, they only go on sale one day every year. Once they're gone, they're gone. And that's it for the next year. There's only one cooperage in the entire world who's able to sell these casks because they're independent. The rest are owned by the big multinational conglomerates. For example, Beam Centauri, Centauri making Hibiki and all the Japanese whiskies, mm-hmm. And the, all those companies have their own um, internal barrel share programs. So there's not getting, you're not going to get in there over William Grant and Sons, you know. That's just how it is. And that's how it, the way the world works. So that's fine. So if you want to know, the cooperage is called Ariaki Sangyo, And I'm definitely butchering that pronunciation because I don't know my Japanese. <laughs> so it's R I K E S I N G Y O. It's way up in the mountains in Hokkaido in Japan. So, all, so the reason we get a lot more casks and then, you know, we get a fair share is simply because of Kevin Keenan, uh, who simply just rocked up to the Coopers one day and asked to speak to the Master Cooper. And from there, he struck up a very close personal friendship with them. So that way, we're able to get a good supply of Misenara casks every year. So it takes around 200 to 250 years for one Misenara tree to fully mature. You're, get, you're If you're lucky, you'll get one cask from one tree. If listeners for comparison... A lot of Irish whiskey is going to be used in a bourbon cask, which is an American oak cask. American oak trees take maybe 60 to 80 years to fully mature. For comparison, you're going to get maybe five to six casks out of one American oak tree. One firm as an Irish tree. Uh, It costs five grand for one unseasoned, which means unseasoned, if you don't know, is basically, there's nothing that's been in there before. Usually what happens is, You'll have a liquid in there, like a bourbon, for example, to impart flavor onto the next whiskey, which is, of course, ours. From there, um, for comparison, a bourbon cask can cost anywhere between eighty euro and two hundred and fifty euro because they're so plentiful. Because they're used once in America, and they come over here. So after that, then as well, because a leak when they they're, when they cut them down, they're so brittle. Uh, when they do dry, they take three years to fully dry in a sawmill in Galicia, in the north of Spain. And when they are put together, they're so tough to work with because they are so brittle, they're hard to cooper and to bend. If you bend them too much, of course, they break, and that's five grand gone. Mm-hmm. So the reason is, like, there's, the main reason to work with this wood is very simple. It allows for a lot more interaction between whiskey and wood that means more flavor. So the notes on this are just insane, like deep, dark chocolate, orange, uh, coconut, And lots of biscuity sweetness, like witch tea, digestives. It's absolutely insane. The nose is the most peculiar nose to any whiskey I have ever had in my entire life. The idea behind Kevin Keenan going up to this Cooperage was very simple. He said, you lads make the best uh, uh, casks in the world. And we make some of the best whiskies in the world. How about we do business together? And it kind of just started from there. And in every bottle of Mizunara, if you're in a bar not, um, not too far from now, Shane, you'll see, if you and if you see a bottle of Mizunara, you'll see a little red thread on it. Um, and if any of your listeners ever see this or ever see the red thread, it's very simple. It's called the Red Thread of Fate. It's an old Japanese philosophy. And it means that two parties or two individuals who are destined to be together are always going to find each other no matter what. So we make some of the world's best whiskies. They make some of the world's best casks. So, whether we like it or not, we're going to find each other in the end anyway. So, Mm -hmm. that's the kind of main reason behind that, you know, destined to be together. I think, which I think is a brilliant kind of just rounding off of the whole story and rounds it off really, really nicely. Now, the thing is, that bottle of single malt Mizanara is only 85 euro. It's extremely well priced for what it is. The second you put Mizanara onto any whiskey, price is going to be like six, seven, eight hundred euro minimum. So, we did very well to keep it at 85, you know. It's very affordable to everyone.
0: But, but bottles, many bottles you release a year.
1: Oh, we'd be releasing a right question. I want to say two,
0: three thousand. It's nice 3, 000, 000, Yeah.
1: Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, but that's, that's what we'll be looking at. Uh, how many bottles we release every year. Yeah, yeah. Um but then again, what we do is we do we do 75% first fill, 25% second fill. If you don't if your listeners don't know, when I say first fill, I mean it's the first time we have used the cast. So you get all of the flavours. It's like mm. a tea bag. First, mm-hmm. you imagine you've got three cups of boiling water in front of you, and one tea bag. You put it into the first uh, first cup first. You get all the flavors of the tea. Second cup, you get less flavors. Third cup, even less. So mm-hmm. on and so forth. So we use seventy five percent first fill, at twenty five percent second fill. So mm-hmm. you can imagine yeah. we're having to buy new maisonnerie casks every single year. So it gets expensive.
0: Yeah.
1: The thing is, like with Glendalock, and I found this out very very quickly is that we favor quality over quantity over anything else. Um, that's the main driving force behind it because we're looking for the best cast for the best flavor for the best whiskey. That's, that's really it, like end of the day. It's really, it just is that kind of, that simple, like, you know. And it's easy to say that, and then, but we're, we're willing, they are willing to put the price behind something they really believe, put the money behind something they really, truly, truly believe in. Mm. We are, mm-hmm. When we're able to experiment a lot more now because we're supercharged, now, of course, um, as I was saying to you earlier, we're owned. We're fully owned since 2019 by Mark Antony Brands. And if your listeners don't know what Mark Anthony Brands is, I don't. I don't. I don't blame them. Um, but they are one of the biggest independent spirits companies in the world. Um, and they are the guys who make White Claw. So you can imagine these guys do high volume, high sales all across the world. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the one of the biggest markets for us now is Australia. Uh, sold over a million cases in one market alone in one year. Insane. The levels of volume that these guys do. You know, they make Mike like, they created Mike's Hard Lemonade, and they were the first ever seltzer like that. There was no one, no, there was nothing else before that in the market that ever came close back in the 90s. So, you know, they own the the kind of, what, was it, what, did, they, what, what did they refer to as the conference? Hard Lemonade, what they called it? Alcohol, you know, so... It's 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 just ridiculous, you Because know? yeah. we had a we had a conference there two weeks ago of Mark Anthony Browns International and it was all the brands like bareface, which is Canadian whiskey. Um I need to actually get you I need to get you a sample of that actually next time. I'll give it to Killian and I'll drop it into you. It's very nice. Seven year old elementally aged whiskey, aged out in the open. It is
0: Unbelievable. You give me a few samples now, would you would you believe? i I've not tasted many. I'm, I'm sure I've tasted some Glen lot, but I look I, I've only I've been getting into more of the Irish or lots yeah. of other Irish whiskies. You know, I've tried them. Um, what was one called Curric, I think it was called finished off in seaweed. Oh curic is unbelievable. Yeah. That's uh, yeah. so well, it's just what they just lined the barrel, inside the barrel with seaweed. That's all I can imagine that doing with I it. I
1: believe so. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's fascinating. They yeah. Asian in there as well, yeah.
0: Yeah, but it's yeah.
1: um I don't I haven't tasted corrupt now myself, yeah. but I just yeah. I'm I'm dying to taste it now too. Mm. But like to be honest, what I'd love to do is just say Beckett and just buy a bottle because I know it's gonna be good. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I agree. Yeah. I totally agree. As you can tell I'm not regular with money. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's one week left till I
0: get paid I'm
1: broke. So yeah. Yeah. I was in I, I was in London there last uh two nice. so, yeah, uh, so an Arsenal match.
0: You're an Arsenal fan, are you? I am now. Could be this year. <laughs> I'd say it could be this year. I'm just gonna ask you. Oh, okay. Geez. Yeah. No. No. So. So. Oh, nice, nice. Ah, London's massive, man. It's almost. Yeah. Insane. No. When a oh, three-two 2 nine, 97th yeah. uh, minute goal winner with yeah. uh, Reese
1: Nelson. Oh, uh, voice was gone for a week. Like I was only four seats away from the pitch, and I was sitting mm. in the middle. I was looking at the back of Arteta's head for like ninety
0: minutes. It was unbelievable. Not. <laughs> He's doing very well. I watched that program, um, uh, all or nothing, and before oh, yeah. Arteta came, they had nothing for a long. A couple of FA cups and stuff. Jesus Arteta. Watch that man. He's a he's a yeah. he's a he's a man manager. A bit like a Pep. Look, he's he's learned from Pep. You know what I mean. Yeah. Peps, Pep yeah. Guardiola is one of the best in the business, you know. Oh, it's unbelievable. We've covered most of the bases. I was going to ask, like, what tips would you give for a brand ambassador, someone yeah. starting out? Let's just, yeah, let's finish up with that and a, a few more questions, and then we'll wrap it up because uh, yeah. I've enough. I got time that out.
1: question um, from me the other day, and thanks for sending all those on too. Yeah, no um, So, the tips for every brand ambassador, tips from brand ambassador. Okay, one I want to give this, the most important one get a driver's license. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you
0: need
1: to, get a driver's license because you need to have one. Um, You need to be carrying, uh, Car full of stock, right. any one point yeah. in uh, in the day. My car, I can't fit, I can't bring people around in my car anymore because it's all full of whiskey. Mm. I had to do that for a couple of mates. I had to bring them into town. I had to throw all the stuff in the car and it's just only oh, living in your car, like. like <laughs> <laughs> <Literally>. sometimes. <Nah. laughs> uh, no, I totally am. <clears throat> this isn't even my house. <laughs> <I'm> sorry. <laughs> no, so I would recommend getting a driver's license, getting a car. Mm. Um, Next one. Uh, Another one is being able to juggle a lot of different things at the exact same time. I'm not saying I'm an expert at it. I'm still learning. It's still very hard to do. Um, For example, um, I am uh, working with, we are distributed by Coca Cola or CCH, which is Coca Cola Hellenic. Okay. Um, They've got the biggest sales team in Ireland, 35 field sales reps on the ground, just on the Entrée. The Entrée, if you don't know, if your listeners don't know, on-trade is pubs, bars, restaurants, anywhere you consume the drink on premise. They're also called on premise. You need to be able to talk to all these different reps all different times because they all want something from you. You also need to be able to set up events, tastings, activations, get your listings, get your points of distribution. But you have to be extremely organized. Now, I'm not saying I'm the best at organization. Again, I'm learning this myself too. Best thing you need to do is be good at organizing yourself and manage many spinning plates at the exact same time now of course you're going to make mistakes that's absolutely fine i still make mistakes um it happens we're human move on get over it quick (laughs) to be able to also be completely independent but also no one to ask for help because there's nothing worse than when you've made a mistake and you try to fix it on your own but there was somebody else who could have helped you and I'm running that myself because you're not, you're not exactly a lone wolf all the time. You have to be able to ask for help. There's nothing wrong with asking for help as well. It's one of the yeah. most important things. Another thing you have to be able to do, you have to be a very good public speaker. You have to be able to, uh, even small things, enunciate clearly, talk slowly, um, get people to really, really understand you. Um, not even on like a more physical sense, but on a more like, on uh, the literal sense, but on a more like kind of, I suppose, understand where you're coming from, why you like your job, be able to present yourself well in a manner that befits the brand. But there are some of the main things. Um, also, uh, you know, I see some BAs, and I really, really don't don't like this sometimes, and they go around really casually, you know, kind of just... Like as in they're just coming off the... Coming, coming to town for a bit of a boozing session, mm. and some BAs are like that. I don't... Like, some of them are, some of them are, but you rarely... What, you, what, what I recommend is, like, if you've ever seen... A couple of reps now I've seen that dress extremely, extremely well because you, when you go into a bar, you want to dress and look the part because you want a bartender and bar manager to realize this is the ladder I need to deal with. This is the guy, this is the girl, this is the woman I need to be talking to. Because so they take themselves seriously, they'll take me seriously. That's how it works. It's all really small things, it's all like the six inches in front of your face kind of thing. That's all it yeah. that really is. But get organized, get a car, also get to know someone in the industry, for example. Gavin Owens is extremely good at that in distilled. When you're in distilled, you're looking you're talking with the global BA of Dingle, for example, will be, we'll be rocking around. You'll see BAs in there every week at Tastings of Training. Um get to know them, get to talk to them. These lads are so, so outgoing. They'll give you your number, they'll chat to you, no problem. Keep your eye uh on uh on Annie upcoming roles in the future because there are going to be so many more roles coming up in the future for random masters and if yeah. anyone wants to do it i highly recommend it as a role it is an extremely rewarding job it can be tough like any other role obviously every role is tough but it's extremely extremely rewarding when you and it's only really rewarding when you really like the role that you're in and you really like what you're talking about and i do so it's easy so you know i'd say that organize get a car get into the industry that could easily be propping yourself up with a barrel tasting, chatting to the BA after getting to know them, getting to know everyone else, because all these lads are connected. We all know everyone else, and we're all very friendly. Because if someone doesn't have a job coming up, someone else will, and we'll get in contact. I've been in so many trainings where I've gotten guys come up to me saying, "Here, do you have anything coming up in the future?" And I said, What not right now, but what I'll do is I'll keep you in mind. I have a lot of we have we have connections in the industry." And we'll look and we'll, we'll find out for you because things are going to fall out of, the, out of the the woodwork and they will come and they will come. You just have to buy your time. There's 43 distilleries in Ireland and they will be looking for new BAs. It mightn't be a job as a BA, it might be a job as a rep first. It might be a job of working as an, as an assistant brand manager. It might be bottling. Take your time. Be ready to move up, you know. What I'm saying is get your hands dirty, roll up your sleeves and don't be afraid to put in the work at the end of the day because you're going to have to put in a serious amount of work. But it's rewarding at the end of the day relationships are won and lost in bars and pouring deals are won and lost in bars simply due to the relationship yes that yes. the brand master or rep has with the bar manager and it's as uh. simple as that there are some bars in ireland that don't serve guinness and it is down to the rep not getting on with the bar manager and that happens time and time again you wow. know there's some places that won't serve beef eater because they don't have like the rep Mm-hmm. You have to understand, like you have to be a people person. It's a, it's a relationship game. Yeah, if you're dealing. You're going to be dealing with people. Into the, end the day. If people don't like you, they're not going to buy your product. Never, ever, 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 ever make a promise that you can't keep. Mm. Don't ever promise. Don't ever make a promise you can't keep. Mm-hmm. Because what happens is they'll never trust you again.
0: Yeah,
1: because they have hundreds of other reps that will do the job for them, and even better than you. and If you lose their trust once, it's going to be extremely hard to get that back. And yeah, you won't forget. Yeah. It. Lads, don't forget that stuff managers don't forget it, and they're dead right too.
0: Okay, we'll finish up uh, soon. What is your favorite Glenlock whiskey, there, you're that's, that's a loaded question right there.
1: Uh, favorite Glendalock whiskey would be the Potstill. The Potstill is my favorite whiskey, um, because Potstill is essentially is an Irish spirit as well, like it. but also the fact that it's extremely it's full of depth, it's got the Irish oak in it. You know, not many people have that. Also, for the price point it is, it's extremely accessible for anybody 60, 65 odd for a lovely bottle, nice and kind of creamy. And delicious, and with a pint of Guinness as well.
0: Brilliant, yeah. Pot still, classic, yeah, traditional Irish, love it. Now, um, where can people see you? Or is there any place, any, any gigs coming up in Dublin? Events that uh, are still tickets available? Uh,
1: right now, or around I the will, country. I'll be doing a uh, whiskey tasting with the Dublin Fire Brigade whiskey enthusiasts. That's on April the twenty fourth. Um, I will be doing a whiskey tasting with uh, Pie, a new bar in Dundrum. I'm still getting the date set for that. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm very conscious of the fact that your listeners are not all just based in Dublin. No. So I have a, a village whiskey society tasting in uh, West Cork on the 27th of April. Um, I'll be, of course, be going to Irish Whiskey Live. I'll be manning the Glendelock stand. That's going to be in May. So I'll be there for all the days and all the sessions so i'll be wrecked. but if you see me come up and talk to me and um, we might have some uh cheeky lovely samples under the table for you and then what else oh we'll be doing we we'll, should be doing um an event in austrian kodiak in my Mines. that is yet to be confirmed that is going to be around the new gin launch um but again you know that's uh that's far away. What I would recommend. Whiskey Live honestly, oddly honestly enough is the best place to catch me. Whiskey Live is the best. Because yeah. anybody yeah. can walk in, any punter can walk in. Um but I'd I highly recommend that. Also the Haypenny Bridge Inn, just follow me on social, Lock underscore own. All the events I'm gonna have upcoming are gonna be on there. And yeah, uh, just uh keep your keep your ears to the ground and you'll uh, you'll see the events I have planned and they're gonna be really, really cool.
0: So yeah. Lovely, perfect. Not much more to say. Owen, oh, you've been a pleasure to have on first, first episode back in a while, and I'm, I'm, well, definitely, I'm gonna keep going. I'm gonna keep going, get more. I didn't know you were this passionate with whiskey, and now I am totally yeah. in love with uh, Glenlock whiskey. Now, I'll definitely. Uh... <laughs> no worries. My is done. <laughs> <laughs> I'll definitely enjoy some of those samples send my way soon.
1: I will. I give him to Killian to give him to you. Do I mean, yeah, no. If he hasn't given to me to get onto him because he could have drank it himself. You know, I, I, yeah, him. I
0: mean he was. He's always getting lovely samples off, off yourself when you when you so he's, it, oh, it, oh, he's a crafty man, man so he is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, I'll I'll, I'll, I'll let let you go. Uh, Thanks for coming on the show. And um, don't
1: worry, Shane. Thank you so much for having me on again. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you, bud, and catching up. It's great to see you doing so well.
0: Thanks, Shane. Thanks. Cheers on. Thanks. And that was Owen Cooney, national brand ambassador for Glendalock Distillery in Ireland. Um, Very fascinating learning about his kind of world and what he does promoting Glendalock whiskey and gin uh, around Ireland. Follow me. On social media at Hardlines Podcast or Hardlines, um, and thanks for listening to the podcast. And uh, take it easy, and bye bye.